Join me as I talk with people who express their creativity in ways that can inspire the rest of us to recognize our own creativity. And if you enjoy these conversations, please like, subscribe, and share them. Welcome to Creativity Conversations. I think this is episode 56, and today I get to talk to Chris Westfall. Hi, Chris. Oh, how are you today? Oh, good. Another day in paradise. I like the sound of that. Thanks for having me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. I think it'll be a great conversation. So I usually start off these calls by giving a little bit of a bio so people get a sense of who our guest is and we just start from there. So I will start with a little bit of Chris's background. Chris is a transformational business coach based in Houston, Texas. He's a regular contributor to Forbes and the publisher of seven books. His eighth is called Leadership Language. So is that to be published? No, it's out right now. It's okay. uh, in fact, I'm holding it in my hand right now. It's ah, there. excellent. Thank yeah. you. Came out a few years ago. All right. So Chris is a coach to Fortune 500 companies and entrepreneurs. His clients have appeared on Shark Tank, Dragon's Den in Canada, and Shark Tank Australia. Recognized as the U.S. National Elevator Pitch Champion, and we'll have to talk about that. He's appeared on ABC News, CNN, and NBC TV. A professional speaker for over a decade, he has a long list of corporate clients and regularly works with top-tier universities. He and his wife have been married for 28 years, congratulations, and they have two grown daughters. And you can find out more about Chris on his website, westfallonline.com. Okay, welcome. Thank you, and thank you for that introduction. I'm going to spend the rest of our time together trying to live up to it, so... <laughs> Thank you for raising the bar. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, you gave me the bar, so. Oh, I did. It's true. <laughs> so on your website, it says that you have created transformational results for people. What does that mean? And what does it look like? In the kind of coaching that I do, typically my, my clients are business people of some kind, entrepreneurs, or they're working for large corporations. And when they come to me, they're really, they're looking for some sort of change that isn't incremental. In other words, for example, someone comes to me and wants to go from an entrepreneur with an idea to an entrepreneur on Shark Tank, <laughs> for example, or to, to take their career to a level that maybe looks unprecedented to them or something that, that might seem impossible or far out or far-fetched to create the kind of, of impact that they they know is possible, but they, they can't seem to access it for whatever reason. And that's, that's where I come in. So it's really not about incremental improvement or helping people to be 1% um, better every day. Although if you are 1% better every day, you double your results in 72 days. But I digress. <laughs> Mostly people are looking for those transformational results. That's typically where, where I show up. So that, instead, of, instead of incremental there, is it called discrete when you jump from one level to another? I'll take it. That sounds good. I like it. Yeah, it, it really is. When, when people come to me and the conversations that they're looking for, it seems to be 
a conversation about transformation, transition, some sort of change and, and a change not only in uh, performance, but in impact and, and quite often in, in, in identity, if, if I can say that. Yeah. Um, because really the, in, in the coaching work that I do, one of the things that I talk about is helping people to, to make a commitment to change right? I mean, any change, you have to commit to it on some level. And I try to look in the direction of what's the, the easiest kind of commitment that you can make. The, and not just easy, but the one that's going to stick. And the commitment that you can make that, that we tend to keep is a commitment to ourselves and to our identity, to being who we are. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I don't do a lot of coaching or work around helping people to find their identity, but to help them to commit to it, to simply step into who they are and step into that possibility that for whatever reason hasn't been revealed yet, but in the course of our conversations, at least the intention is to help open up those possibilities, open up that perspective. And from a fresh perspective, fresh results can ensue. Mm-hmm. So is there a difference, be- what's the difference between finding your identity and stepping into it? And how does creativity come into play? One of those things is hard and one of those things is easier. Finding your identity can be hard, especially if you have feelings like I'm not sure who I am or if you're struggling to find that within yourself, it it can appear very hard. Stepping into your identity is one of the easiest things that I've ever I've ever experienced personally for myself. But of course, people listening to my voice may say, well, how do I know who I am? How do I explore and find that person? Or what if I, I, I don't like myself? And let me just raise my hand and say, I've been there. <laughs> and I might be back there again today. Yes. <laughs> but isn't, isn't it true that stepping into your identity isn't really an ego exercise. It's not an exploration of your title or your business card or your marital status or how many kids you have or your gender identity or your sexuality. The identity that is is easier is one that is available to all of us. And, And the way I approach it, Nina, is I say to my clients, who are you when you aren't on your mind? In other words, what is that identity that goes beyond ego? That identity that is, if, if I can say this, that is beyond belief. Because a lot of all my clients come to me and they say, you know, I really need to believe in myself. I'm trying to believe in myself. I'm like, no, you don't. You don't need to believe in yourself. And what if, and of course, people are like, why are you challenging me? And I'm like, well, that's what coaches do. But the question is, what happens if you don't need to believe in yourself to access your identity? What is that identity beyond having yourself on your mind? When, when you are not part of your identity, what is your identity? And people go, I'm not sure I can understand. I, I don't know if I can even access this. And part of the coaching work is to help them to see that we are all part of a bigger picture, if you will, that there is an identity that goes beyond our ego or beyond the self, an identity as part of nature. And, and what, I'm really, what I'm really pointing at Nina, is, is our human nature, that we are part of, of this universe, this nature, that the same nature that's turning acorns into oak trees, that's helping me to digest my food, that's 
that's allowing me to come up with whatever it is that I'm going to say next, Justin Bieber. I didn't, I didn't see that coming, Nina. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't know that that was going to pop out of my mouth. But my point is, is that we have the ability to access a, a myriad of possibilities. Those possibilities come from consciousness. Those possibilities come from the universe around us. That Those possibilities come when we see our identity as part of nature, which is really pointing at our human nature. Uh, and, and from this place, this space, it has been my experience that life gets easier when my attention is not on who am I and how am I doing? When I see that my identity is part of this, this sphere, this world, this universe that is filled with forces that I, I don't understand. These, these forces that, that support me like waves in the ocean, you know? Yeah. And I, I mean, I had a really interesting conversation with a, a guy who is a neuroscientist. His name is David Eagleman, brilliant neuroscientist. He had a PBS series that was on for a few years called The Brain. And he wrote a book called Live Wired, highly recommended, fabulous book. Um, and I reached out to him because I admired Live Wired so much. And I connected with him to do an article for Forbes. And in the course of our conversation, and remember, I'm talking to a scientist, someone who sees the world from a very unique perspective. And as we were talking about, and, and his science is the science of the brain, the way that our brains work. And he was explaining to me that despite all of our knowledge, in spite of all of our knowledge, or because of all our knowledge, there's something that we still don't understand, science cannot explain, and that is consciousness, where thoughts come from. We understand neurons, we understand physics, we understand all these things, and yet there is a, a mystery inside all of us that science cannot explain, and that is where do our thoughts come from? And from this place, I find an identity that is filled with creativity, with possibility. It's the possibilities of, of the universe, possibilities that go beyond my five fingers, you know, 10 fingers and 10 toes. Five fingers on one hand. Let me just do the math real quick. But you know what I mean? It, four and two thumbs. But... <laughs> that's true. I find your precision very refreshing. I like. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So that's anyway. I mean, I'm. I'm. That's what the world looks like to me. Is that there is a, a place and a space where we, all of us, can access infinite creativity. It's not a matter of belief. It's a matter of science. And when speaking to David Eagleman, and he said, you know, we still don't know where consciousness comes from. That, to me, that was comforting. That wasn't like, oh, there's so much uncertainty out there. There's so much yet to discover. Of course, there always will be things for us to discover. There always will be the unknown. And a big part of my transformational coaching, and a big part of the work that I do is helping people to get comfortable with the unknown, mm -hmm. and understanding that that uncertainty and discomfort don't have to go together, that you don't have to be uncomfortable going into a new space, a creative space, a space of possibility. And that place, that space is always available. Mm -hmm. And it's more accessible when you aren't on your mind. Yeah. 
I gotcha. This is just a curveball, and okay. who knows if we'll actually go here or not. But that question about consciousness and matter, you know, does consciousness arise from matter, or does matter arise from consciousness? And that's one of those things that is an ongoing debate in the world of science and physics. And I think that in my understanding, if, if we look at everything arising from consciousness, that we, it takes us out of the equation. It takes our brains out of the equation. You know, I have to use my analytical brain to figure things out and predict things and figure out my possibilities. If that's off the table, then our identity is so much bigger that the questions of the ego, the ones that are insecure or uncertain or doubting or whatever the category is, they are they become somewhat meaningless because if we are part of this infinite creative potential, who's the one feeling insecure? Indeed. Indeed. There are Inside all of us, there are capabilities and capacities and possibilities that we, we don't realize. But when we look in the direction of what you're describing, it, it opens up those possibilities. If everything, if, if it's all up to us, or let me, let me personalize it, if it's all up to me, wow, that's, that's a lot to carry. That's a lot to carry. I mean, I don't even... The thing that shows up is that there are always forces. What are those forces? I'll leave, I'll leave that to, to <laughs> others to decide, but there are forces that are supporting us. I, I, I'm a big believer in pro-noia. It's the exact opposite of paranoia. It's where I believe that the universe is out to support me. And I, I you know, and, and you may hear that and you go, oh, that just sounds silly. And I don't know about that, but look around. Look around and and if everything is up to me, I mean, I don't even know where I don't even know where this t-shirt came from that I'm wearing. What did I do to create this? I don't I don't know. Someone made it somewhere and I happened to buy it in a store. And you can tell it wasn't that expensive. And I digress. But my point is that I, the clothes that we wear the places that we live in, the cars that we drive, the subways that we ride, we are part of a universe that is brought together by others, by forces that are beyond our understanding. And as you said, Nina, we don't have to figure it all out. And that's not a message of laziness. That's a message of comfort that, that within this space of support, there's, there's a new way of looking at, at the way that we face life. And I, I came to realize this through working with, with my coach. We were having a conversation and I was speaking to her about how I felt really pressured. I felt like I had all these obligations and I needed to you know, lift the world on my shoulders and Sisyphus and Atlas and all this at, all at the same time. And uh, she lives in Southern California. And she is a surfer and she loves to go out in the waves. And I'm, I'm from the Midwest and I don't, I don't surf, but I love, uh, I love being in the ocean. And I love the idea of surfing and I understand it certainly. And she said to me that in surfing, the one thing that they always say, they always remind you of is that the wave always comes to you. 
And I thought about that. I went, wow, that's really true. But only 100% of the time. I mean, every time you're in the ocean, the wave always comes to you. And so many times in my life, I look back and think of times when I've been, you know, I've been kicking my, I've been kicking as hard as I can trying to make waves happen instead of understanding the way that the ocean works, but by extension, the way that the world works. It's not a recipe for um, lack of effort or not, you know, just sitting back and waiting for the world to come to you. Because in order for the wave to come to you, you kind of have to be out in the ocean in the where the waves are. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right, right. And it's also not, you know, and, and my coach and I, we talked about this. It's it's also not a, a reason not to plan or just let everything show up organically. I mean, you kind of, if you're going to surf the waves, you kind of need to have a board and you might even want to have a wetsuit on if it's cold out there. I mean, you know, even I know enough to know that. So what it points to though, is a couple of things. First, uh, first off, showing up, how important it is to show up to be in a place where the wave does come to you. And it always does. And from, from this space where the waves may take you can be, in my experience, incredibly expansive. I've, I've been on a journey of incredible expansion in my life and in my business. Um, and these realizations and, and this understanding about the wave always coming to you has been something that has really really made an impact and and taken taken a burden off of me and and made life more of a more of a game more like more like surfing you know the, the quote and it's an anonymous quote but um the quote is there are a million ways to surf but if you're not doing it with a smile on your face you're doing it wrong and i think that's so interesting and i i don't always have a smile on my face but i i try as i'm surfing the, through the through life so. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you said a lot there, and I'm. It was reminding me of the Taoist uh, tradition, where nature has takes its course, and it's only when we step in and try to manipulate that course that we get ourselves in trouble. But if every other creature and every other process in the universe has its unfoldment, it's bringing the waves in why wouldn't we be the same? Why wouldn't we be part of that process of things unfolding, things being brought to us? Doesn't make any sense, right? It, it doesn't, but I still fall into a trap of self-importance. I still fall into that trap of, of obligations and, and yes. requirements and planning, you know, uh, and I haven't, uh, <laughs> I haven't achieved Zen master status where I can make deadlines go away. I still have deadlines. I still have clients that I have to serve. But here's the thing that has changed is my relationship with those deadlines, those objectives, those obligations, and the way that I see myself in relation to the world around me and to the clients that I serve and the things that I want for myself that has been a, a major shift and a major change uh, for me. And it's, it's a change in relationship. I mean, the deadline is the deadline is the deadline. It, it, it still remains, but how I go about relating to that mm. and, and whether I look at it as an obligation or a game 
changes everything. And you could say that relationships are really the way is reflects the quality of how we relate to anything, whether it's a deadline, writing a book, doing a presentation, whatever it is, running a business, it's the same. It's the same principle underneath that. It is. Yeah. And from, from a place of understanding, everything can shift. And that has been my experience. That is, that has been the journey that I've been on the last few years. Um, but also what I try to share with my, my clients, every possible chance that I get, and it's an unusual context. I don't know if it's unusual. It seems unusual to me or unique, but working with, you know, fortune 500 companies and stuff like that, I'm not the only guy in the world that does that, but coming into a business conversation with what might be viewed as more of a spiritual approach to, yeah. to things, um, you know, that, that's been what is, what has unfolded for me. And I'm so grateful for it. And I'm not trying to convert anyone to any particular religion or dogma or anything like that. What I'm on about is helping make life easier for people yeah. to help them to find some ease and to help, to help people to get out of their own way mm. and to have the conversations that, that really matter, whether those conversations are going on inside their head or conversations in front of Mr. Wonderful on Shark Tank, whatever the case may be, there's, there's an opportunity and a possibility that that comes from seeing that we are part of this universe, this nature. We are not islands or operating in isolation. Yeah. We are all supported by the waves that come to us. And so often we go, well, I want to be on that wave over there. I do this all the time. Instead of yeah, instead of recognizing what wave we're on. I, you know, I met um, I met a guy. His name is Murray Wilcox, and he is an extreme surfer, and he lives in Cape Town, South Africa. Oh, and waves are good there. They, evidently, they're huge. And this guy, he's been on a surfboard since uh, since like 10 minutes after he could walk. They put him on a surfboard. I mean, he's lived this whole life. So this guy, he's an extreme surfer, and he looks for waves that are at least 15 feet high. And... Of course, surfing on these extreme, you know, they're very dangerous. They can crush you if you get on the wrong side of them. So I meet this guy, Murray Wilcox, and I say to him, Murray, I'm really curious when you are at the top of one of these waves, 15 feet high, 20 feet high, you're at the top of the wave. What are you thinking about? What's going through your mind? I mean, are you thinking about your plan? Are you going to go right, 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 left? Are you thinking about something that a coach told you or something that you saw on TV when you were watching surfing last Saturday? Or what is it that's going through your mind? You know what he said? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I mean, he said something, which was the word nothing, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yes. <laughs> he said something, which was nothing. But yeah, he said that what was going through his mind was nothing. And isn't it interesting that we spend so much time working our brains to try to figure things out. But then when it when it comes to really being on the top of a wave, when it comes to taking that, that next step, where are we at our best when we don't have anything on our mind? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like to call that inner freedom. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
whatever we're creating, you know, whether it's lunch or a major proposal or a painting or a writing, anything, it's all comes from that other place. Well, you know, I know you're supposed to ask me the questions, but I'm curious, do you, do you think that all people are creative? Yeah. I do too. I think they have the, we all have the capacity. We're just look at our bodies. They're always doing these creative things. Some of them are in sync and keep us healthy. And then some of us take us off the track for a little while, (laughs) but our, even our ability to figure out what we're going to wear, how we're going to get to work if we have to take a detour, or what are we going to put in this special dinner that party that we're throwing, and what are we having for the meal, and what's going to comp, what wines will complement it, and what about the dessert, and you know all the details that we run through in our minds to to make something happen. That's all. That's to me is the, that creative capacity, the idea to be. Uh, willing to entertain ideas other than the ones we've already been thinking over and over and over again. Indeed, that that capacity for, for newness is something that's in, inside all of us. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think that we are all put here on this earth to to create. I think I think all of us help are. It. We can't help it. It depends on how big we want to go, right? So true, so true. And a lot of, a lot of my clients, well, <laughs> It come to me, for example, I work with a lot of engineers and on more than one occasion, an engineer has said to me, well, I'm not creative, I'm an engineer. And I'm like, hold on, let me stop you right there. An engineer is the one that sees two land masses separated by a body of water and sees the way to put the bridge across those two land masses and is able to not only envision that, but to execute that and to create that and to draw that and to build that and all those kinds of things. And what is that if not a creative process? And what, you know, the trap that we fall into so often, it's a trap of labels. You know, I'm not a creative person or I am a creative person. Hey, how about if you're just a person and we look at the way that, that people are wired? We are wired to create and to adapt to circumstances. And uh, that is something that I have come to discover, not only based on my own experience, but based on, on the science of the way that our brains work. And, and again, I, this book, Live Wired, it really made an impact on me, Nina. It really did. Because Live Wired, this book, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a book that's filled with people who have lost something. They've lost their sight or their hearing or they've lost a limb and they've had to come back from these, these incredible circumstances. And, and it's filled with these stories of everyday heroes who basically rewire their brains, not through any effort of their own, not by doing a six step mantra or chanting or anything like that, cutting out donuts. No, they don't have to do any of that because it's part of the way that our brains are wired or as the author says, live wired. And one of the things that really fascinated me in this book was that people who have lost their sight, which your sight is controlled by a part of your brain called the occipital cortex. And for people who have lost their sight, the occipital cortex is rewired so that when these individuals touch something, 
the occipital cortex is activated. In other words, for them, the sense of touch activates what for you and I is the part of our brain that handles sight. Hmm. And so this restructuring between the, the trillions of neurons in our brains happens automatically without effort. And there, there was a team of scientists that wanted to see what would happen if people who were sighted were blindfolded. How long would it take them for the occipital cortex to be rewired? And in this experiment, they blindfold sighted people and they're, they're tracking their, their brainwaves and everything. In less than an hour, in less than an hour, they started to show evidence of the sense of touch activating the occipital cortex. And the brains made that transition without effort because it's part of the system. And when we understand the system that is a part of all of us, whether we've, whether we've lost our sight or we've lost a loved one, or we've all experienced loss on some level, but the message of Livewire, and this is why it's such an inspirational book, it's so inspiring to me, is how we are able to adapt without, without effort. Why? Because it's built into our DNA. Mm -hmm. We are wired to adapt and to change and to conquer these losses and, and uh, whatever they may be. And I, I, find that, I find that very comforting, especially because it's not really a matter of faith. It's, it's, it's science. And it's something that I've experienced myself. I've experienced, uh, obviously I haven't lost my sight or my hearing, thank God, not yet, knock wood, but I've, I've lost things, uh, people that I care about, uh, opportunities, and I'm still here. There's a resilience inside of me. And it's not that I'm some special person or anything like that. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm Superman. I'm saying I am just a man. I am a human. I'm a human being, just like you, just like everyone listening to the sound of my voice. And we all have inside of us this capacity to adapt, to create. Yeah. And when we lose sight of that, because we fall in an ego trap or labels or whatever it is that's, that's holding us back, we get out of our own way. The conversation expands, opportunities expand, and possibilities become evident that we did not see before. Yeah. So what's occurring to me as you're talking is how cool it is that human beings are created in such a way that they are hardwired for the download, for the insight, for the creativity, for the expression. So it's like we're waiting, we're, we're vehicles. And every, every person who creates essentially says this, an idea came to me. It, it comes, it comes through. And we're, we are created in such a way that we are like re vehicles, receptacles, whatever you want to call it. We are something through which that life force that you were talking about earlier gets to play. Mm -hmm. in, in some of the spiritual traditions, they talk about God or the presence of awareness needing finite minds to experience the world. So if we're, if that's what we're like, if that's where we're, we're uh, receivers, then all of the conditioning that we've had for our egos to be so all important and how we look and how are we doing, 
kind of falls away because in comparison to what's possible, the, what you're referring to, it's like, why bother? I mean, of course, we all get go down the rabbit hole yep. now and then, but nevertheless, I think what you're saying, or at least what's resonating with me, is we all, we're built this way. We're built to be creative. We're built to be innovative. We're built to problem solve. We're built to adapt, course correct. That's how we are. And all of our everyday routines often obscure that fact. See, what you're describing is an identity that I, I embrace. I don't have to believe in it. I embrace it. It's it's an identity around openness. Mm -hmm. And and that's what I mean, like I, I see that beautiful painting there. I mean, there's so many behind you, but that beautiful painting right there on your right. Um, and, you know, if I were to ask you, where did that come from? Well, and we talked about it before. I mean, right. you know, there's there's some inspirations and some sparks and stuff like that. But I don't know about you. When people say to me, "Where did your book come from?" I mean, I've I've got a few stories around that, and there were some some things that sparked my intention around the book. But ultimately, where did the book come from? The answer is I don't know. That the place. answer is the, other the unknown. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And. And how do you how do you access that? How do you access that unknown in a way that isn't <laughs> fear-inducing, but that is creativity-producing? Yeah. Yeah. And and the for me, it it's just an understanding that the the unknown is all around us. And if you're wondering where you, your next job opportunity is going to come from, or your next client, or your next paycheck, or your next investor, the answer to all those questions is the unknown. Where it's going to come from is wherever it is right now, yeah. and and that's part of the unknown. So, getting comfortable with putting one foot in front of the other and stepping into that that creativity, that imaginative spark, it's it's not something that's just reserved for for brilliant painters like you or people that write books or captains of industry. It's part of all of us, yeah. every one of us. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, we end up leading lives of quiet desperation. Just like the poet said, you know, otherwise we get locked into this familiarity that I think that deadens us. Doing things in the same way, thinking about things in the same way, thinking about our possibilities. Oh, well, maybe, but I don't think I could. Just that kind of simple thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think if anyone is uh, hearing what we're talking about, thinking I could, I could never do that, whatever that is, because that's just the way that I am. Right. I would challenge you and say, no, it isn't. Right. Who do you think you are, by the way? <laughs> Correct. Correct. Which is, you know, that's not an indictment or, or saying, you know, all you need to do is get over yourself. I don't, I don't want people to hear that. That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes getting out of our own way happens when we see that we are part of a bigger picture. It's, it's part of one of the most valuable things that I have seen in my own experience and that I've shared with my clients is this idea of zooming out. So many times we zoom right in. And I'll tell you a quick story. This happened to me just this morning. I went for a walk this morning. While you were on your bike, right? I was on, I was on a walk. And uh, I'm walking past a, a school near where I live. And a boy is walking towards me and he comes up to me and he says, excuse me, can you help me? 
And I stopped and he's, he's wearing a backpack and he has on a, a shirt from the middle school that my daughter attended. So he's a boy from the neighborhood. And he says, I, I miss my bus and I don't know what to do. And I can see behind his very, he's got pretty large glasses on that he's crying and he takes his glasses off and he wipes away a tear. And I said, hey, are, are you okay? And he's like, I think so. I just, I just don't know what to do. And my heart went out to him and I said, you know, a lot of people miss the bus. I've missed the bus before. It happens all the time. And it was amazing to see, you know, like that realization and the tears stopped. Like what he was going through was not only okay, but it was something that, that many other people had experienced. And I wasn't trying to diminish his experience at all. I was trying to say, you know, from a place of understanding, I mean, I've missed the bus. I've missed trains. I've missed airplanes. I've, I've missed things. And so we had this conversation and I even, I said, you know, look, I, do, do you need a ride to school? Do you need, what, what do you, and, and I came to understand today, by the way, is the first day of school. As we're recording this, this happens to be the first day of school here. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm guessing probably someone, you know, in retrospect, as I think about it, probably was new to the neighborhood, first day of school, going to junior high, and, and maybe he was a sixth grader. Maybe he was making that transition from elementary school to junior high. Maybe he was new to the neighborhood. I don't know. But for whatever reason, he was just punishing himself because of something that when you zoom out, you go, this happens all the time. And I said, are your parents home? He says, yes. I said, could you, could you walk home and ask them for a ride? He says, well, usually I, I take my bike. I said, do you have your bike here today? He goes, no, my dad gave me a ride. I'm like, well, son, perhaps walk back and see if he can give you a ride to school. Anyway, it all sorted out. But the point of this story is that so many times we jump. And when I say we, let me be honest, I mean me. No, oh, me too. Jump to that punishment of like, oh, how can this be happening to me? And I you know, start punishing myself in whatever way I can come up with rather than being able to zoom out and take a look at things and say, you know what, this happens a lot. This happens a lot. And this is not something personal or sinister. The bus driver did not see you coming and gun the engine so they could get away. You know, it's not like that. It's not like that. But gosh, he was he was punishing himself. And the best thing that I could, and my heart went out to this guy. My heart went out to this little guy. But what could I offer him at a moment when the tears were streaming down his face? The most powerful thing that I could share was a simple understanding. People miss the bus sometimes. Yeah. And it's it's okay that you did. And you've got people that that will support you, that'll take you to school. So I don't know. That was just that was my morning experience of 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 a story that unfolded around the power of of a little bit of understanding. You know, that was a great story. It reminds me of a Van Morrison line, one of his songs, where he says, "There are guides and spirits on the way who will befriend us." Mm. I love that. Yeah. And that's that's true. We don't always we don't always see them. We don't always see don't recognize them. But when you zoom out, I I just wonder. I mean, that's I try to zoom out with my clients, with with myself, 
because when I'm trying to dive in and figure things out and think through this wave and the next wave and the seventh wave, it's, it's not useful. It's not useful. That's yeah. a very good gauge. <laughs> What's that? Useful. Just asking that question. Is this useful? Is this thought useful? Right. Well, isn't that a fair question? What, yeah. what are my thoughts doing and are they serving me? Which is not a quest to figure out my thoughts. What are my thoughts and how can I change them? Hold on a second. It's, it's simply an observation. And, and you know, as, as I like to say to my clients, just because a train of thought shows up doesn't mean you have to ride that train. Yeah. Doesn't mean that that's your train. And especially if it's not going to a destination that you're interested in, let it go by. Let it go by. So, yeah. There's another train, there's another wave. That's true, but again, only 100% of the time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about your prolific writing you've got eight books now how how did that happen how did you get the inspiration for the first one and then the second and the third and the fourth well the short answer is i don't know but <laughs> looking into it what we've been uh, talking about right we just don't know but it well here's Here's the thing that I've discovered, and I'm, and, and I'm sure as an artist, you can relate to this. There's one common thread for every book that I've written and published and every book that I've, I've worked on. I'm also a ghostwriter. I'm, I just wrapped up my third ghostwriting assignment. Um, so yeah, I've, I've done quite a bit of writing and every book that I've ever been involved with always starts at the exact same place. And that is a blank page. And from that blank page is an opportunity for self-expression, sure. But for me, service. Mm. Service is what I try to put on the page because I don't just want to write about my story or my experience or experiences. I want to help others to create new experiences for themselves. And so the books that I share are written from a place of service and looking in the direction of what can I do to help others? How can I share a story or stories or anecdotes or whatever the case may be to help others to see things in a new way? Not just to see my life because I don't write, you know, I haven't written my autobiography over and over again and I don't think anyone will want to read it. Um, it's sort of like that old joke. I wouldn't want to belong to a country club that would have someone like me as a member. Um, but Groucho <laughs> Marx was brilliant. Yes, indeed. <laughs> but, um, but the point is that the place where the, the books come from is always a, a place of service. And I, I recently wrapped up my, it's, this will be my ninth uh, book and it's coming out from Wiley in, in December. Um, so I don't know if we should talk about dates or timestamp this. I guess I just did. Anyway, it's coming out later this year. And uh, the, the book started off, what I, what I said to Wiley I was going to create was a book about 100 ways to access personal freedom and conquer the future of work. And for those of you, for anyone that's listening that's a marketing person, you probably go, hey, that's a pretty good slogan. But guess what? I'm not interested in creating slogans. I'm interested in creating service. And 
as I went through the process of creating this book that I had, had pitched and sold to Wiley, it, it changed, it, it transformed. And what came out instead was something wildly different. It's different than anything I've ever written before. It's a conversation. It's a conversation between a client and a coach. And in this conversation, the client hires the coach because he's frustrated in his job. He wants to make that transition to entrepreneurship. He wants to have the courage to leave his company and he hires the coach to help him to do so. Little does he know that in five days, he's gonna get fired. So from this place inside this coaching conversation, it turns into a story of life after career death as he faces the biggest obstacle that he's ever had to overcome in his career. And from this place of deeper understanding of the things that we're talking about in this conversation today, human nature, being a part of a universe that has his back, he comes to understand the premise that is in the book's title. And the title of the book is simply easier, easier. And the idea is that anything can be made easier. Not, maybe not easy, like performing a liver transplant, that's not easy, but there's a way to go about that that is easier, just as there is a way to paint paintings that is easier or to craft books that is easier or to launch your own business. There's an easier way to do that. And so together the coach and the client look in this direction and it, the book does not have a tidy Hollywood ending. Everything does not become rosy because uh, the client works with a coach, but I dare say everything becomes easier. And this has been an incredible, for me, an incredible exploration because, um, not just because I had to write a lot of dialogue and I hadn't done that before, but because it, it took shape that was not something that I figured out or controlled. You know, this isn't a 200-page marketing treatise that I'm trying to design around these objectives or outcomes. No, it was the book that I needed to write it was the book that came through me. It is the book that I need to read, by the way. Because if you say to me, well, so it's a story of a coach and a client. So Chris, are you the coach or are you the client? The answer is yes. <laughs> yes, I am. And neither. But, but that's what, and, and I don't, I'm sure you've had a myriad of experiences like that, where it comes through you. And when I fell back into this creative space, and when I stop trying to engage with my thinking of what this needs to be and how this needs the form that this needs to take. And I let it flow and I, I rode the wave. This is what showed up. And now as I sit here and we record this, I wonder who's going to buy it? Who's going to read it? What's that? And guess what? All of those things are unknown. And I can choose to stress about that, or I can choose to put one foot in front of the other and keep keep moving forward on this journey. And the folks that need this story will find it. And how do I know that? Well, that's how the universe works. And that's not to say that I'm going to, you know, throw it all up to chance and I'm not going to share words and ideas and, and help people to find this resource if they need it. But that pursuit is not the pursuit of a marketing objective or some branding construct. It's, it's simply looking in the direction of service. 
and helping those that can be served by this, by this book and by this story and by the challenges that, that the client goes through and that the coach helps to uncover. That's, that's a message of service. And that's, that's the place where I, I continue to, to look. And I've been grateful for those that have, that have looked in that direction for me, the coaches that have surrounded me to help me to see that have been a part of my journey too. So. I'm reminded of something which I hope the people who are listening who've heard me say this before won't stop listening because I'm saying it yet again. But uh, one of my favorite quotes uh, is purportedly attributed to Vincent van Gogh writing to his brother when he was first studying for the uh, ministry. And he, uh, at one point, I'll cut to the chase on this story. He's, he says to his brother, he's writing in his letter, he's describing his, his surroundings from his window. And he's, at one point he says, it's so beautiful, I must show you how it looks. And then he draws a little picture in the letter that he's sending to his brother. And when I read that, I thought, this is it. This is what we're all doing. We're pointing to something that isn't about us. You know, how am I doing? How I'm an author. I'm a, an artist. I'm a writer. I'm a blah, blah, blah. But look, look over there. It's not, we're the finger. You know, we're not the moon. And I think that, I, I'm, I just wondered, you know, that, that uh, dedication to service. I wonder where that comes from. Mm. Me too. And do people make things, unless they're very confused, do people, does whatever people make, isn't it a form of service? The person who starts a cafe or a co-working space or, you know, creates a better mousetrap, aren't they doing the same thing? And the entrepreneurs that start businesses that make products, they are making those products as a service to the market to humanity at large, whatever the case may be. But I think you're really, you're really hitting on something. There, there are two things that I, I see as very fundamental. Creativity, it's inside all of us. We are wired to adapt, to create, to expand. But service, service. You know, George Eliot said, what are we here for if not to make things less difficult for one another? And of course, in a book called Easier, that's the quote that starts it off. But I digress. Here, here's my point. <laughs> Service is what looks like to me a part of our identity at a very human level, at that, at that very upstream place where we all are the same. We serve one another. We serve some sort of objectives we serve in the process of creation some of us create books some of us create businesses some of us create relationships and partnerships whatever the case may be but that capacity is inside all of us we don't need to chant we don't need to cut out carbs in order to access it thank god which i'm gonna have a donut right now no i'm kidding you know spelt of but, course <laughs> that's that's right low glycemic donut but no it, it, we it's accessible. It's accessible. And being open 
to accessing the creativity that is inside of all of us. It's not a matter of belief. It's not a leap of faith. It's simply an understanding, simply an understanding. And we all, we may not be the great artists that, that Van Gogh was, who, who among us is, but each of us, according to our own talents and gifts, has the ability to point, to say, look at this, see this through my eyes. And I'm not just talking about an Instagram filter. I'm saying sharing what it is that, that we see. That we love. That we love. Yeah. And from that place of love in the spirit of service, what is it that we might create together? That, for me, is a very, very powerful place indeed because it is the power of the universe that has our back. Yeah. It is not an individual ego-driven power. It is, it is something that's available to all of us. And when we tap into it, you never know what kind of books or paintings or businesses or ideas or relationships might come from it. That's beautifully put. <laughs> I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but as you were sharing that, I was thinking about a line from uh, Madam Secretary, where many times the uh, assistants are saying, we serve at the pleasure but we are serving at the pleasure of the universe. Mm -hmm. And so many times, and can't we, and can't we serve at our own pleasure? Can't we, can't we find that thing that pleases us? That is that expression of this. And, and I think that in, as I look back on my life and I think about the times when times were tough, there was a disconnect between that, that service that served me. That was, that was, something that that fulfilled me in the service of others when i set that on the shelf or put it in a box or caged it in some way and subverted myself in some way that was a source of suffering and i can look at times when i did that in my career and i rationalized it i needed to do this because you know i had a whole list of rationalizations of reasons why of i put my my personality on, on in that box and on that shelf under lock and key why? Why? There is an identity that is out there and available to all of us. It's this place and the space that we are talking about today. It is not an ego exercise. It is a place of freedom. And that is a freedom of choice to step outside of that box, as you talk about so often, right? Step outside of that box and to stop subverting ourselves, to stop, to drop the story the reasons that, that often start with because or should, the stories that are given to us by others about who we need to be, what about who we really are? And what happens there when we step into that place, an identity of creativity and service in a universe that has our back, in a universe where you still have to show up, still got to bring your surfboard if you want to surf, but from that place, things get easier. From that understanding, things get easier. And for me, I don't know, I, I got tired of things always being hard. And especially when you think about it and you say, yeah, anything can be made easier. The question is, why aren't we stepping into that? Yeah. We know that it's there. We know that it's there. Why not step into that? And whatever story you have that you would share with, with me to rationalize, what happens if you drop that story? Yeah. 
you know, who would you be? Without your story. 100%. There you go. Well, I hope you will come back again because we are at the top of our time together. Well, thank you for that invitation, Nina, but I, I don't really like people and I don't think that I would, no, I'm kidding. I would love, you are delightful. You are a creative soul and brilliant. And I am grateful for the opportunity to have a conversation with you. And uh, I look forward to our next conversation, whenever that might be. That's great. Thank you. And I just have one other request of you, which is, You've already shared so much. How can people find you? And is there anything in particular that you are doing that people should know about? What a great question. Well, you mentioned my website, and it's like my last name online, westfallonline.com. You can also find my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash westfallonline. That's also my Instagram handle and Twitter if you're on those platforms as well. Um, I am going to be introducing coaching programs and continuing to do group coaching programs. And so I, as far as what people can look for or forward to from me, perhaps it's an opportunity for us to work together. And if anyone is interested in, in chatting or, or exploring further on my website, there's a contact button. And if anyone's interested in setting up, yeah, a 30 minute conversation. I'd be more than happy to do that via Zoom or telephone, or you can send me an email from that contact button as well. So I'm always open to exploring, exploring a conversation that focuses on service like this one did. And I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Such a treat. So thank you everyone for joining us today. And I hope you will continue to come and visit on the next episode. So take care. Bye for now. (music) 